Go Loud presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Nevin Maguire could be said to be the nation's favourite chef. In this episode, he shared some great stories and handy cooking tips. It's the episode that keeps giving. Taken from our seventh series, our chat with Nevin put a smile on our dials and we hope it does the same for you. Nevin, we're so delighted to have you, our fabulous stable mate at Dunn Stores, on our podcast as a guest. And this podcast, this season of the podcast, is all about pearls of wisdom. But, you know, I, I, um, I, I was watching you the other night on TV. You must be one of the most beloved public figures in the country that I have never in my life heard anybody say anything negative, write anything negative. And I have a theory. My theory oh. is. Hold on now. What's this? You go might on, go on. Just be a really nice person. <laughs> <laughs> might be that Thank simple. You. You, it might be that here. simple. Sonia, you haven't spoke to my wife, Amelia, yet. And uh, <laughs> I'm you, I'm you, uh, because the question she always gets is, what's it like being married to a chef? Does he ever cook at home? What's it really like? And what you see in TV is what you see off screen. And that's it. You're both the same, guys. You get your you get your uh, your passion from people. You get your inspiration. And just people are infectious. That's the word, you know. And when you meet great people, uh, and it's nice to be nice to people. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, not so nice things happening at the minute we're all going through a different journey and I've, I've i've just always seen the good in people that's the way i've been if i'm right if i'm wrong you can ask my staff you're not going to keep staff for you know 30 40 years in in any business if you don't look after them it's as simple as that from our end so it's from my mother i got it so oh lovely so, so <laughs> about, i had a little backfire situation just now seeing as it's an, in, an intimate chit chat uh, with a woman who said to me i bumped into a woman on the street and she said oh I put, got out of her way or something and she said, you're just as nice in real life. And I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm a bollocks. And she, and she, went, and she, she actually went, are you? <laughs> so I was like, I better stop doing that. But just to tell okay. you, Nevin, the only pots I have are your pots. They're thank really you, good. They're really well, good. Brendan, thank you. And first of all, it's great to hear a man saying, I cook, I use it. And that's fantastic. Um, you know, it's been an amazing journey. Like we spoke uh, last year, you know, during the whole COVID thing. And one good thing I think I might have said to you is that more and more people are cooking and timing is everything. As you know, you design your beautiful fashion wear, you know, cookware is very, is very personal and, but it has to be practical. And that's the most important thing. And I remember Margaret Heffernan saying, it's not, if it's not good enough for you to use in your cookery school, Duns won't be selling it. So the woman is a genius. I think the price point is excellent and it's we use it we test it you know what it's like and it's been a runaway success so I'm absolutely delighted thank you so much and keep cooking and here's the thing like and we, we have to stop tripping into this me not cooking thing and cooking we talk about I talk about cooking a lot for somebody who's only learned to cook but and the old phrase of you know a bad tradesman blames his tools but when you first when I used to cook badly and have a go I always had really bad pots when I got good pots it's much better with better stuff isn't it well, it, it's like when people ask you, you know, you know, what's the most important, what's the most asked questions? How do you cook the perfect steak? Knives, pots and pans. They're the two most asked questions that I get. What kind of knives? What's the best knife? It's got to feel comfortable. And good pots and pans, they are an investment, but they're going to last. And, and that is the key. And it's got to be, they've got to be durable. They've got to be practical. They've got to be easy to wash and clean. Very important. <laughs> and uh, they've got to feel good. They've got to feel good. And then when you cook something, you think, oh, listen, I'm proud of that. It's delicious. It's kind of back to the original point that we made about, about 
you being a genuinely nice person and be liking being nice to people. So it's a bit like, you know, if you have nice things, nice pots, nice knives, it makes you want to be a better cook. But I want to talk to you about um, your own positivity, um, because I think that's something, it's a particular area that we're fascinated by. And, and I, I think we're really, as, an, as a nation at the moment and beyond, really aware that positivity is in short supply. The media are absolutely flagellating us all with negative news when actually there is good news out there. It's just not yeah, just true. papers. So how, how do you maintain that positivity and, and create a sort of virality around it? Well, I suppose I feel very lucky and fortunate, you know, when I look at my own kind of life and, and listen, the business is closed, but we're OK. We're 32 years open. We're employing 60 people and um, we know what we're doing nearly every day. And, you know, you do get, a co- of course, some cancellations, but then there's people to rebook in and that. And it's about having a good team and good people around you. That's where you get your energy from when you meet good people. And I'll give you a lovely example. When we reopened last June, I met this lady. She was celebrating her 90th birthday. And I said to her, she's from Galway. With her, with her with her son and daughter-in-law and I asked her did you enjoy your meal she said Nevin it was the best meal of my life now that to me is the nicest thing anyone could say to me and she took three bottles of wine particularly when not- 90 Nevin right because that's a lot I'm- of life <laughs> when they think of all the food she's eaten, a home economics teacher and all the experiences, but for her to say that, I wanted to hug her. And yeah. that, and you know, like you meet, you meet, you know, your customers and people, and that's where you get your energy from. People are uh, usually very open and very honest. And maybe sometimes you don't want to hear certain things, but you take it on the chin. And I mean, like, we, if we get um, any kind of a criticism or anything like that, it's it's constructive. It's about just just um, trying to be a better person and being good to people. And I think when you run a business and I love cooking, food has always been my life from the age 12. I didn't want, I didn't realize that I'd be doing books and TV and working with Duns. I feel very lucky. lucky. I feel very fortunate. But the key for me is just enjoying what you do. Be happy at what you do. You know, and I always say that to young chefs when they come into the kitchen, you know, because particularly with our industry where it's a huge shortage of chefs, but if you look after them, they're happy and they're developing. Let them flourish. That's the key. Let them enjoy. Let them experiment and uh, always acknowledge them. They're not. It's not about uh, I and me. It's about we and us. I think that's so important for them. And they feel that. I worked in a kitchen, Nevin. I was a kitchen porter in Next Cafe on Grafton Street. I did know that. I, and then I got I a job it. on the espresso bar. And, and they kept trying to get me back into the kitchen porter because I'm a really good cleaner. I'm actually really good. And then I was working as a busboy in QV2. Do you remember QV2 across the road from the Trocadero? Quo Vadis 2. Quo Vadis 2, yeah, with uh, Frank Count, uh, uh, Count McCormick and his wife, Sylvia. And uh, I, I, was, I was in college. But I kept wanting to get out onto the floor. So they put you as a busboy and then they'll put you in the bar and then you might go. But the waiters were like the truck waiters, you know, they're established, you know, they're vocation waiters, you know, they're forever. So you're never going to get a job, but you might get to cover a couple of shifts. But they kept saying get back into a KP because I was really good at it. Well, you know what? I think in in a kitchen, in our kitchen in the restaurant, we'd have maybe three KPs on in a busy night. So say we'll do 55 people tonight. We're not doing big numbers. They're the unsung heroes of any kitchen. They're your little, they're your little engines, and you know they look after all of us. Like we have ten chefs in, in service tonight, and it's about working together as a team, as you both know. And w- when we reopened um, in June, fifty of the original staff came back, and we had ten local staff came back. And one thing I've noticed this year is the amount of customers that said to me, "Your staff are very genuine." 
And that's really good because you can teach them about, you know, service, what we want from that and, and to be professional, but you want them to have their little personalities. And that's, I'm very proud of them. And I think that's really important, you know, that they flourish. And I think it's a great life skill. Like you look at, you never forget the hard work being in the kitchen and, I, you know, uh, washing and, and, and doing things. And I remember my first job as a comedy chef, scrubbing, scrubbing the pots, sawing bones for stock, scrubbing the cooker tops, emptying the bins. I didn't cook for three months. That was my job. And I loved it. Now, that's one thing I'd struck. And Sonia's talking about your kind of personality. The one thing I remember about being in the kitchen was the pressure. That yeah. once service started, it was just bedlam. I mean, just madness. I was often when I was in the always in a sort of a safe corner near the servery where you got the but you were listening to it. Right? Yeah. And for me, I grew up no, sort of thinking chefs were just big stress heads just explosive and you're just not that kind of person but did no. you ever experience that yeah and brendan and, and sonia i've worked in kitchens and a, a kitchen in the michelin star in particular in um, in belfast and this uh, particular chef made this female girl cry every night in the kitchen and i remember saying wow this is crazy this is not right it's wrong and you know if you make a mistake you learn from it it makes you a better person i think if you keep making the same mistake then there is an issue but i worked in kitchens where there's a lot of war and shouting and we have a really calm kitchen uh, I think if you need I think sometimes people maybe don't cope well with the pressure because you need to get a buzz that's for sure if you don't get a buzz during service for a couple of hours you know I think you know you just got to all perform and that's what it's it's it, it, it's like doing a cookery demo doing a talk you know you get your engagement for your customers and your people but uh, I, I remember working in a three Michelin star in San Sebastian so there was 27 chefs in the kitchen and only nine of them got paid and I remember going like like this guy's either side and I couldn't I couldn't put my arms out like this there was a chef either side of me we were just doing basic prep but they were so good to me now that was one of the maddest kitchens I ever worked in to be honest with you Arzac and they were very good to me and I have huge respect and I've gone over to RTE done two shows with them I've eaten and there Navin what oh have you eaten there yeah where yeah. haven't you eaten where haven't uh, you eaten? you're uh, brilliant we we sat down we had the funniest night we were I brought uh, Dave to Arzac for his 40th and we ended up uh, we were we were at dinner and we kind of spotted these two guys that were really interesting looking um, two kind of LA ponytail big guys with two uh, obviously a gay couple with two very soigné beautiful sons and we were kind of watching they were fascinating compelling and uh, we they started speaking in Spanish they were from LA but they started speaking in Spanish to the waiter and Dave who doesn't speak Spanish knew there was something about them and caught in the Spanish something about producers <laughs> of Ricky Martin's La Vida Loca so he was wow. googling them under the table and they were the producers of Ricky Martin's La Vida Loca right? <laughs> we ended up we ended up in a lock-in into the late hours speaking kitchen French because I didn't speak Spanish, they didn't speak English, uh, and and drinking with the dad and the daughter till God knows what time. It was the best night ever. Wow. Isn't that something? And you know, out of all the places I worked in, it's the only kitchen that I ever saw a chef, and he was the creator. He never done service. 
He worked in a little area and he created the new dishes for the seasonal menu. So their head chef is a lovely uh, lady from Mexico. She's been with them for about at least 20 years. And there's a real sense of family value in that restaurant. Um, and I remember being, myself and Amela being in San Sebastian with our twins and they were very young. They're only about four or five. And Alana is, is the daughter. Um, Arzak met me and said, come on up for something to eat. I said, no, you're joking me, not with the kids. <laughs> so we went up to the little bar area and they cooked for my twins and for myself and Imelda and I'm telling you there's an awful there's a real goodness and genuine and and I think they're very like the Basque people are very like the the Irish people there's a goodness there I love them I love them and and actually I'm remembering now the two the kids asked for burgers and chips and they made them burgers and chips in a three-star Michelin kitchen you know where other chefs would have said get out yeah yeah, that's brilliant and and delighted but look I'd love to hear because I I am passionate about the fact that my kids can fend for themselves on a desert island, eating, cooking, and eating whatever they. What is what is your pearl of wisdom around getting kids to cook? And I do believe there is an accompanying book to this pearl of wisdom. <laughs> As you just happened to ask, this is it here. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a kind of like a, a kind of a lockdown COVID project and, and how it all started was in the cookery school. One of the most popular classes is learn to cook. There's um, kids, parents and kids care kids parents uh, cook in half day. So they're age from about maybe six to about 15. And Definitely, I've seen the love of food uh, start from a very young age, and our twins are nine, and they're eating food that I wasn't eating when I was nine. So for, for parents, it's the greatest gift we can give our kids, is to be able to eat, to be able to cook, and to enjoy it. And, and that starts from going shopping. You know, we, we know the great work done stores are working with Irish producers and different producers and that. And um, for me, it's it's the journey, the basic preparation, chopping, cooking, making like eggs is one of the most versatile ingredients. So with kids, they'll all go through a fussy stage. But when we were very, when our twins were very young, they always ate the same as what we were eating. We never cooked any differently. They oh. have amazing, they, honestly, they have amazing palates. Yeah. And they love treats and they love sweets. And don't get me wrong, they're no angels, but by God, they like good food, which is incredible. They were down in the restaurant in September and they had the taste of menu half portions. They were eating scallops, they were eating pork cheek, they were eating beef medium rare. Jesus, I wasn't eating that when I was their age, I can tell you. So, Sonia, I think for kids, they're like little sponges. And I think the Irish palates have changed so much from parents to kids. You have young teenagers. Look at the way the whole food scene has changed in Ireland. The diversity, the variety, um, the, just the variety of different restaurants that you can eat in now and food trucks too. So I think there's, it's a very exciting time for kids. But to get them into the kitchen from a young age, that is the key. Start them young. Like when I go back to when I was in secondary school, I was the first boy to do home economics. Loved to be with all the girls. But uh, I remember, you'll enjoy this, guys. I remember I made, um, I had to uh, sew a shirt once and then it was so bad. My mum and dad used it to polish glasses in the restaurant. <laughs> We're from Cav and we waste nothing. But I do remember that the home economics teacher was so supportive and so encouraging. And she saw that cooking is my life. From the age of 12, I knew I wanted to be a chef. So when we go back to cooking at home, when you cook from scratch, when you cook simple food, and we don't cook fancy food at home, it's simple food, but it's a win-win. You're eating healthy, you know what goes into it, and you're saving money. Amazing. So I don't know if you know this, Nevin, but, and we've spoken about this quite a bit. So Bren has been on a cooking. Before you tell that, before you tell that, let's take a little break. And we're back. 
So I don't know if you know this, Nevin, but Bren has been on a cooking journey over about the last five or six years. Is that about right? Yeah, I just I took the book out yesterday. So um, I woke up with the diagnosis of hypertension and high cholesterol just after dad died. And my sister had a stroke. And so we've gloopy blood, right? That's the thing. And I, I literally had, a, maybe it's what I'm eating. <laughs> I actually thought out loud that I had invented. I just never had joined those dots. And I come from a family where my mother would say, I'm a hairdresser, not a cook. So cooking was a chore. We were talking about this the other day. Now, my sisters love to cook. And as a result, their kids love to cook and they're both brilliant cooks, actually. But I sort of stayed in mam school of not liking it. So I literally would say to Sonia, OK, Sonia, give me, give me, what am I doing? So the first thing you taught me to do actually was monkfish parcels, which is monkfish, creme fraiche, garlic, uh, tomato in a parcel in the oven, baked, done. Amazing. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I, that was my only thing I could do. Then what was the other thing I got? Um, just give me then a Then you learned how to make a, mas- a lasagna, I think, with one of yes. the... Yeah, it took, me, took, it took you me about three nine, to four weeks. Make it took me, it took me, I made a lasagna from scratch. It took me nine hours. <laughs> oh my God, Brendan. Come I've on. only done it once, but it was the best Brilliant. lasagna I've ever had, by the way. Just to say. Well so, done. Yeah, and, and I now do a lot of Greek food, would you believe? Because it's easy and fresh and basic and salad. And I love hot with cold. And you love going there. I know you love, you love Greece. And it's one place I've never been, but that's that Mediterranean diet. That is super healthy and they eat with the seasons. They have the sunshine, so they're so lucky. Um, And I I just think it's a great thing to be able to cook, as you said, some really simple, delicious, like I love that idea, the monkfish in the parcel. You're not even dirty in a pan and it goes in the oven. It's fantastic. I have to say, so Nevin, you have become, for me, synonymous with Christmas, would you believe? I I think, because, yeah, you you have a little bit because they do, Morty give you a lovely run up to Christmas as well because you are, you're great, Adam, a big a big fe- festival of cooking right so it, coming up to Christmas we because mom is my mom's unwell at the moment she's just she's doing great to be back but we have to rethink Christmas dinner now because we've lost our little chef right so, we, so we're thinking maybe we'll do different courses or what is your top line advice for a good Christmas dinner I know that's very okay. broad but you no 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 it's not and I mean like, I I think it's a really good question I think we all overeat at Christmas and I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it so I think to keep it simple don't go for a big heavy indulgent starter keep it light if you like seafood do a simple prawn cocktail which is delicious or you can get some nice sourdough bread with some of that lovely simply better serrano ham pesto that kind of thing like a little antipasto this is what we're going to do we always cook goose because oh. literally where I'm talking to you in Black Lion, two minutes from here is Thornhill Duck, which is available now in Dunn's stores, <laughs> thankfully. And they're great. I'll tell oh you why they're friend. great. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why they're great, because they're a husband and wife team. They only process about three to 400 ducks a week and uh, geese 100 at Christmas. They've been supplying us in the restaurant for over 33 years. So they're, they're such a consistent product. Okay, so Brendan, you're going to be cooking for your family or whatever like that. So I would go for the turkey breast. And I'll tell you a really good tip, and it's something I'm going to be doing for my family. We'll do the goose, and then we'll be doing also the turkey. But it's a buttermilk brine turkey. So you get the breast of turkey, you put it in buttermilk, you put it in sliced orange, rosemary, and garlic, and you let it sit in the fridge for two days. Then you lift it out, dry it off a kitchen paper, say goodbye to the buttermilk, and then you simply smear some butter, a little bit of lemon zest, orange zest, and then smoky bacon. It's the best recipe I've ever cooked for turkey. And I'll tell you why. It's an American recipe. And I've done lots of different recipes for the Christmas show. I haven't cooked a full turkey in, let's say, about five or six years. 
This is what I'll be doing, yeah? And it cooks faster, Brendan, and it's easy to carve. You're not wrestling with the legs. You just keep it simple. I'll have my stuffing made a couple of days ahead. I'll do one or two potatoes, simple vegetables, red cabbage. That's already made because that'll keep for a month in your fridge or more. So I'll keep it really simple. And the key is not to give too many courses. Don't, don't put pressure on yourself. You're there. Well, if somebody's your listening, if somebody's listening, yes. wants that recipe, is there somewhere they can find it? Of course, any of the recipes, or if they want any inspiration for Christmas, if they just email Matt House, and we'll be happy, or they can go onto my Instagram, and we will be so happy to give them any recipes they That's want. Amazing. Because Sonia, you're, you know, Christmas is a, a stressful time, and I mean, like I always say, treat the turkey like a big chicken. It takes longer to cook. We want it succulent. We want it moist. And if you're cooking for a small group, you don't need a full turkey. The breast of turkey. The turkey like know, a big te- chicken. Tell him to grow yeah. up more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What do people love? They love the ham, the baked ham. And a very simple glaze is some uh, red currant jelly, or you can use honey, balsamic vinegar, all spice, not the aftershave, all spice. It's a little berry and it's really, really good. And then a little bit of mustard and you brush that over your cold ham. I love my ham cooked a couple of days ahead and just glaze it off in the oven, stuffing done. And then you just do the turkey and just some roast potatoes, which are delicious in um, beef dripping. James Whelan, who you know, the butcher, uh, he, he has made beef dripping really, really fashionable, but it's delicious on roast potatoes. So I think the key is, Brendan, for, you, for, 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 the, for the viewers and listeners, not to be overcomplicating it. Keep it simple. And if anyone wants any recipes, they can also buy my Christmas book. I just thought it would this one. Available in Doug's stores. I'm after nothing this year. Hold on. I got a wee bit excited there. And uh, this is it here. Here we go. Yay! Fabulous. <laughs> Well, Nevin McGuire was wearing Kyle Moore Abbey the other day like a jaunty scarf. James Whelan has made beef dripping fashionable. We're thinking <laughs> making a jumper out of beef dripping at the moment. <laughs> I love it. Good moment. <laughs> so I, I have one more question for you. Yes. Have you been booked for any DJing gigs? I, have you? I bet you yeah. have. Yeah, I yeah. bet you have. And yeah, you, I, have. I mean, it's my it's my, one of my favorite discoveries of lockdown. Brilliant. Oh, it's just brilliant, Nevin. I'm just so impressed, first of all. For anybody who doesn't know who's been living under a rock, Nevin is also a keen techno DJ. It's just brilliant. And, and Hold on. Go. I, I have to stop you there. I'm not a DJ. I love the music. I'm pretty crap at the mixing. I have a huge collection of about 3,000 records. And la- yeah, oh, oh, yeah. And they're just... Because we were closed for eight months this year and I've just fallen back. I've always loved the music, but I've reconnected with it and just having so much fun. And it's a bit, it's a bit of crap. That's all I see. Yeah. The amount of guests that come into the restaurant, are you going to bring the text out? Are you going to do a little mix? You know, so it's all a bit of fun, but it's harmless. And I think because, guys, I never probably spoke about it in the media. Like for 25 years, the records have sat up on my, on my mom's attic. Last Christmas, Amelda got me a mixer. My decks for my 21st birthday, I got them revamped. I, I got new needles and I'm just so happy. I love it. Aww. So I call it, I call it mixing in the kitchen where I do my videos for Simply Better and Duns and then I mix away. I'm away from the house so Imelda doesn't have to listen to the noise or the twins. <laughs> it's a bit of fun. Imelda knew what she was doing when she was buying that for you for Christmas, right? <laughs> you were. Here's the woman, smart woman, Sonia, yeah. Nothing by accident. You are right. You are right. Yeah, you're oh, right. Listen, yeah. um, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, waiting for me. And uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to you and, and all your loved ones. And thank you so much. 
Guys, can I just say, you're two of the nicest people and successful and smart people, and congratulations on your success. I would love to give you a couple of books to give away, if you oh, want to do that. If you can do brilliant. that, uh, you let me know. Two or three Christmas of the new book will be loved, and I'll personalise them, and we'll sign them uh, for, 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 your, for your fans. That's the brilliant. We'll, That's we'll a, do yeah. that. We'll, we'll uh, host a competition now to, to give Super. Thank you. Books. Amazing. So if you, want, if you want the Christmas three of each, you let me know, and anytime you want anything, we're here to help. You're going to do that straight away. Oh, Thank oh, you so oh, much. Hang on, hang on. Wait for it. Wait for it. Nothing to do. It's Esther's question. question. Oh, Esther. I'm allowed. I'm allowed. Yeah, go on, Brendan. This is your last time auditioning now. Get this right. (laughs) I think I failed my auditions multiple times, Brendan. Thank you. But Nevin, you are, I want to say, my mother is a huge Nevin fan. We had to, it was like, I say you're my mum's Peppa Pig. She dragged me to Rathmine Shopping Centre once. It was like, we've got to go see Nevin. And you were so good. And some woman in the audience asked, could, now, I'm not as good a cook as Sonia, but the woman asked, Can, Nevin, you're so nice. You're like, can you use um, coconut water instead of coconut milk? And it, you were just like, no. <laughs> but you said it so gently. And I was thinking, thinking I'm like Gordon Ramsay. I'm like, oh, of course you can. But she were just like, no. So really, I don't have a question. Only to say that my mum loves you. And uh, if you could say, uh... if you say, hi, Eileen, she'd be delighted. <laughs> Well, hello, Eileen, and I'm going to send you a copy of the Christmas Oh, M-G-M-G. Okay. Mum, you're not getting the Christmas present this year. This suspiciously won't make the cut and next one I'll turn up under the tree. Thank you so much. We love you. Guys, guys, continue success. Lovely. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to our top pick from Series 7 of the Lennon Courtney podcast. If you're thirsty for more, have no fear. Fresh new episodes are released every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss us. And follow us on at Lennon Courtney on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for all our latest updates. Right.